It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing all right. Today's show, she's a being abroad to you in a bar to buy. Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And speaking of St. Simon's, we are doing a big Billy C. get-together event uh, in St. Simon's uh, sometime towards the end of the summer. Uh, it is going to be a, not one, not two, but three-day event. Uh, culminating with uh, a big fight night. Uh, we got uh, a golf tournament. We got a fishing tournament going on. We got dinner at Sal's. We got meet and greets. We got celebrities. We got all this stuff. However, it's invitation only, so you have to reach out and make your plans now. Drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G. Dot com. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet. It's available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now. I'm talking right now while you're watching or listening to this show. I don't care when you're watching, when you're listening, when you're doing anything. Just get a copy of the book. You could do it right now by going to uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Are you looking to get a signed copy? Hey, don't worry about it. Just go to the website, billycboxing.com. Click on the book and follow the directions. Hey, if you want more than one copy, that's even better. I'll give you a discount. Just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Um, got some emails to read. Uh, we got some news to talk about. Um, you know, I've been being bombarded. Bombarded. I've been bombarded. I've been being bombarded. Yeah, I've been being bombarded um, about this Canelo Alvarez thing, and uh, you know the the cheating, and you know it, it's funny. You know, throughout the years, and I've been involved in boxing uh, for over thirty five years now, and you know it, it's funny how I, I've seen it evolve. And one of the most prominent. Uh, things that I've noticed is today people are diehard fans of a fighter and everybody else is no good and you know they're loyal to their guy to no end regardless and throughout this you know issue 
of the uh, potential uh, PED use. Well, he definitely tested positive uh, uh, since then, has tested clean. But nonetheless, um, the plethora of people that have been saying, oh, he's a cheater, once a cheater, always a cheater, he's always been cheating, blah, 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 blah. And then you have the Canelo Alvarez fans who either say, I don't know anything about boxing, and when it's directed to me, which it makes me laugh, um, or they don't say anything. I've been getting a lot of uh, phone calls, emails, texts uh, about uh, people uh, uh, claiming that Canelo has been cheating for a long time, um, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the most, you know, uh, I guess to me it's disturbing, but one of the most disturbing uh, pieces of news uh, or uh, at least opinions because, uh, you know, I, I, hey, listen, the only news I know, the only the only cheating he's done uh, is uh, uh, those two tests that he failed recently. Uh, but a lot of people feel that not only did he cheat this time, but he has been cheating. As a matter of fact, many people believe that he cheated for the first Triple G fight. I got some uh, accusations uh, from people that are willing to uh, be called out on it. I'm going to bring up a little bit later. Um, got some emails and all that stuff. But first, joining me right now uh, from St. Simons, it is Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, you know, we've been talking a lot about this situation with uh, Canelo and, uh, you know, cheating, uh, using the performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, you know, we all admit that superstar athletes try to gain the edge uh, with whatever, whether, whether their diet, exercise, whatever. But the, the line is you, you're supposed to gain an edge without cheating. Do you think that Canelo, because of the pressure that he's under, uh, you know, being billed as the face of boxing, which none of us believe, but, uh, you know, feeling that he filled in the spot for the big name in the sport, do you think that that kind of pressure has led to Canelo to have been uh, you know, stretching the rules a little bit, even as going as far as saying that he cheated in the first fight as well? No, Bill, I, I, I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. You know, a fighter that comes into his own, that, that really, you know, that's part of the high. That's part of the belief, ability. That's part of, you know, wow, this is me. This is what God gave me. And, and I am an elitist in my own right, in the sense that you feel you've arrived. And it's all coming together. And, you know, there's many trainers that tell you, boy, there's so much to learn about boxing that by the time you learn it all, it's time to retire. Well, you know, there are those special ones that, that do put it all together, that do have that synergy, that do have the, the, the stars aligned, if you will, that do get it and that do pick it up and do elongate a career sustained by their being that special type of fighter, that one in a million that comes along. And, you know, if Canelo Alvarez ha is that true fighter to be like that, and he is certainly up there uh, ahead of the pack on so many other levels, he knows that it's been through blood, sweat, tears, hard work, uh, sacrifice, and commitment. And those are the foundations, the fundamental reasons, the fundamental drivers that people be do certain things above what the normal people or average person may find acceptable to undertake and to do. So I don't think it was something that would be saying, hey, I, I, I now have this title I've earned or I'm tagged with, and I've got to be special. No, 
It's because you believe in yourself and you believe this is what God has given you. And uh, I, I, I don't see this being a reason to turn to performance-enhancing drugs or anything like this. And we, we don't know. We don't know the facts. We don't know what the system, what his system has, has uh, yielded uh, originally. We don't know the real facts. We don't know what his diet consisted of. We don't know what his nutritional supplements were. We don't know a lot of things. So just to blanket across the board and say, you know, Uh, I just lost your sound, Sal. 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 I just lost your sound. Your sound is gone, buddy. Uh, we lost Sal's sound. I think, Sal, Sal uh, you might have hit your uh, mute button or something because uh, all of a sudden we lost your sound. Check your uh, uh, connections or whatever. Um, but uh, in any event, we'll, uh, we'll get Sal back here in a second. Um, cause, uh, as soon as he opens up his mouth, I'll be able to tell if I got his sound or not. But, uh, uh, in any event, uh, oh, 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 I think we got you back, Sal. What'd you do? I had an out of body experience. No, I think what you did was you, you knocked a cable out of something all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying, but you know, the funny thing is, well, I didn't hear all of said, but the funny thing is, the, the funny thing is, Sal, um, you know, I, the pressures that are on a fighter or any athlete to, to you know, perform at the level in which he's expected um, could be so much that, I, you know, I don't even understand. But then there comes the other part, the conscience part. If you're a fighter or an athlete, any athlete for that matter, and let's say you cheated. Let's say you, you, you took a performance-enhancing drug when you weren't supposed to, or, or you did something that was beyond the rule, the scope of the rules, and you got away with it. How long do you think before that, that conscience catch up, catches up with you? When you're looking in that mirror and you're, saying, and you're winning awards down the line, I'm just saying, let's say 20 years from now, you know, oh, yeah, he won this, he won that, uh, greatest fighter, blah, blah, blah. And deep down he's saying, yeah, the only reason why I won it is because, you know, I, I took that pill. Um, you think that will weigh heavily on, on, a, on a fighter? And I'm not saying Canelo, but, um, you know, Canelo seems like the guy, the kind of, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but when I was a kid and, and going to school and you'd have these, these uh, athletes in school who thought who they were. They walked around. They were above the rules. And you see it a lot with superstar athletes today. To me, Canelo portrays that. You know, he walks around. He's got, he's got that look on his face. You know, he thinks who he is. Maybe he thinks that he's okay. He can get away with it. But do you think that his conscience would ever come into play? I believe, and I'm not saying Canelo is that kind of person. What I'm suggesting is I believe a person that would do something like that doesn't have the conscience to worry about. I believe that they decide to make a, a change or an enhancement or something in their lifestyle or in their, their, their regimen that it's a false bravado. That's what I'm saying. When they look into their mirror and into the mirror and they see who's staring back at them, they're going to know what they actually have done. But if they're already that kind of person that's going to do something like that, they're okay. They can live with that person. And that's all that happens. You're thinking, you're thinking, and I'm thinking like a rational person because we're not going to do something like that. 
or not not just a rational person. We're thinking from our own perspective. We can't say how others feel about it. That's a, that's a, that's a false thing. I know how you feel is, is the wrong statement because everybody is uniquely different. And to suggest that we can empathize and really truly know how a person feels about something is false because if they're going to do something, they're going to do it and they're not going to look back. They may, they may reconsider it, uh, but they, they, they're not going to look back because they made the decision to do something that's not supposed to be done. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, let's get some emails out of the way because some of them, uh, actually a, a, a couple of them here, are on this topic. So uh, first and foremost, Jesse writes, uh, hey, guys, uh, Mikey showed uh, he has the skills to beat any style. He's accurate. He's got great timing and punching power. Good fight. Uh, he beat a game Lipinets who showed toughness and countered Mikey uh, very well with his left hook. Sergi needs to add more to his arsenal. Both guys gained to their fighting. Uh, I don't know, gained from them fighting. I, I don't know. You you guys got to take a little more time when you're typing, man. Uh, but Mikey versus Josh Taylor, uh, Josh Taylor, a uh, Regis Progra, uh, or another champ in 140 or a 135 champ. Listen, Mikey Garcia, uh, Mikey Garcia is a, a top name. You know, Josh Taylor is on his way up. Progress, uh, he's a kid that that's on his way up. I mean, these are guys that would never bring enough money to fight Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia is at that next level, boys and girls. So you're not gonna the only fights you're gonna see Mikey Garcia in with like opponents are gonna be top guys, top names, big names, big fights, big fights, big names. You know, big money. You know, that's that's all Mikey Garcia is looking to do. He's not looking to fight a Regis Progress. There's no way. You know, he's not going to fight a Josh Taylor. It makes no financial sense. Uh, as far as uh, Lipnitz, I agree 100%. He needs to add more uh, to his arsenal. Um, you know, maybe a little better defense. Uh, you know, I, but, you know, but on the other hand, and I'm going to get to the topic a little bit later. On the other hand, his aggressive style is, is fun to watch. And I think that most people like it. And I think that it's helping the sport. So, I, I don't know, man. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, he fought Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia is a pound-for-pound pound fighter. Uh, he well, says... That's a good point. I mean, he is. You can't yeah, argue I mean, that, right, Sal? I mean, you know, let, let, let's look at something. You know, Lipinets could be a, a, a great fighter. But, you know, Mikey Garcia is just that one level above. And, you know, it's hard to look great when you're fighting... One of the greatest, and, and and I say pound for pound. I mean, you can look if you're fighting average people, you're going to look stellar. If you're fighting above average people, and you're 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 fine, uh, a class above, you're still going to look great. But when you step up against an elitist like a Mikey Garcia, who is at the top of his game at this time, it's going to nullify what you might have gotten away with in the past against lesser opponents. So I think that um, you know, hey. Does he reinvent himself? Does he try something different? Does he? He's just got to realize, hey, this is another level, and if I'm going to have that opportunity again, I've got to do something a little different because this 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 uh, this this way did not work for me this time. I'm not saying he can't do that. I'm not saying he should just reinvent himself. I'm just saying he's got to study and he's got to really look in his heart of hearts. And he's got to re, uh, revamp a few things to have a better, better outcome next time. Jesse goes on to say, it hurts to see Oscar Valdez get into these brawls because the kid has speed, footwork, and pretty good defense. But he gets lured into these slug fights. 
and gets sloppy and stands still and takes too many shots when he drops his hands. Oscar deserves top uh, champs in the current division or maybe go up. Uh, again, you know, Jesse, Jesse, uh, listen, I love Jesse because he's, he's uh, interactive with this show on a regular basis, and, and, and we really like that. It's important to the, you know, uh, the whole, this show in, in general. It, it, this is what it's about. Um, but uh, but he, but he has a tendency, and Jess, I'm talking to you. You have a tendency to always want fighters to move up. I mean, you, I can I wish I save all your emails, and and it's like almost in every single one of them, you're you're making a comment that you want a fighter so and so to move up, uh, or you're 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 you know suggesting opponents that um, you know, don't make sense. Like, like example, uh, just now with Mikey Garcia, uh, possibly fighting, uh, a guy like, uh, Josh Taylor or Progress. Now, now on the other hand, you know, if you want to take, uh, uh, Lipinitz, uh, him against Josh Taylor or Progress, that's a different story, but you're not going to see that with Mike, Mikey Garcia. As far as Oscar Valdez, this is a guy that could be uh, a superstar. Why push him up? Right now, he's got some holes. He's got some chinks in his armor. Uh, let him fix them first. Let him become more solid at the weight class that he's in. Unless a guy, unless a kid is having trouble making weight, Sal, there's no reason to move up. I, I mean, the only other reason is if there's a lucrative money, huge money fight at an upper or even lower weight class. But, but if there isn't, and you have enough, you know, big fights uh, financially uh, rewarding as well in your own weight class, unless you can't make that weight anymore, why why go up? What what, what do you think on that? Now, you know what I think on that. I think a fighter who is naturally or who can manage himself uh, at a certain weight class that may be uh, suitable for him and that he can maximize his tools and rain for a while, I think that's great. You know, look, look at how many times they've, they've encouraged for the big money or for the big fights because there was nobody left. Like, what, what, wasn't there a light heavyweight Bob Foster? Wasn't he uh, lured up to fight Muhammad Ali or so or, or go up to heavyweight division? You know, you could only go so much. I mean, that's why they have weight classes. So you could reign and identify which weight class you are best suited for and that you can maximize your talents within that weight range. Otherwise, they'd be having lightweights fight heavyweights if they had the, the pit bull mentality to, to say, hey, I want to be the best. And, and that's fine if they can do it. But the bottom line is I'm not saying nobody can't. But when a fighter is reigning at a particular weight class that they're suited for, that they've had uh, success at, why force an issue when he's just cleaning up and doing things? Unless, as you suggested, they undertake the idea that they can make a big money fight or they could do something else with that. Otherwise, other than that, he's comfortable at a weight class and he's maximizing his skills and his skill set and level. Uh, you know, stay there. Well, you don't have to move up. Don't listen to everybody. You, you listen know, to people. It, it, it's uh, half these people do not know what they're talking about anyway. This is true. That's that's that's. I can't agree with that more. Bob no, Foster. Was, just saw, for the I record, Bob Foster. I saw the internet. I saw something on the internet the other day. I had to write that. It was crazy. It had a picture of Jack Nicholson. Um, uh, you know, they, they, like like we talk about him from The Shining, and it, I could picture it was like a still shot. It said underneath, "If you're going to be a smartass, first make sure you're smart." 
Otherwise, you're just going to be an ass. <laughs> well, he he was the other day. He they he, he if anybody follows basketball, this guy's been a uh, L.A. Lakers fan hey, for hey. as long, and he's always sitting there right on the court. Yeah. And apparently, the other day, uh, they asked him to see his ticket. <laughs> <laughs> You know. Hey, listen, I got to take a short break here, um, but I, I got another point on uh, Jesse's email. And just for the record, Bob Foster, nobody would fight him at light heavyweight. And the, one of the reasons why he moved up to heavyweight wasn't so much uh, to prove anything. He never made the money that he should have. And by moving up and fighting in the heavyweight division, he was finally able to uh, uh, make a, a couple of bucks, even though it didn't fare, uh, work out too well for him. Hey, we'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. We're in the middle of a couple of emails. I got some news. Hot topic. Uh, Has Canelo been cheating all along did he cheat in the first fight with triple g uh last comment here from uh uh my man uh jesse says uh Dillion versus andy was a very unrisky fight for both guys both didn't take major risk therefore it ended in a draw but i thought maybe andy won um that particular fight uh was uh should have been a little better i you know are you going to criticize? Can we criticize fighters for for being a little too cautious in the ring? Um, you know what, Sal? To a degree, I think we should. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you get a fight. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you're supposed to be winning that fight, and you should be doing whatever you can to win the fight, and then worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, you know, I, one thing I learned when I was uh, involved in the sport of baseball. You know, when you're managing a baseball team, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, uh, you want to set up uh, every 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 manager would want to set up their pitching so that they have, the, you know, the best pitchers day in and day out. But the truth of the matter is, is, if you don't win that first game, especially if you're in some kind of a tournament or a World Series, if you don't win that first game, uh, you know, with your best guy, you don't get the chance for that next game, you know. And, and that's similar in boxing. If you don't win the fight in front of you, how do you expect to get more? Well, you're precisely right. I mean, come on. That's it. And uh, how often do I say, and I talk about an issue, and I'll, I'll use a metaphor, I'll use an analogy. You know what? And I usually will say this. If you're afraid to lose, you're going to be afraid to win. Or if you fight to fight because you're afraid to lose in a style, you're going to be afraid to win. Because the bottom line is you've got to put it out there. you got to let it fly. And you got to put it on the line. And you can't look past the fight in front of you. You've got to identify that this is where I am. This is the moment I'm at. And there is no tomorrow if I don't get past today. And the bottom line is, you know, it's 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 true. And you know, uh, I remember there was there was uh, one of my uh, co-wrestlers on my high school wrestling team. I had a nickname for him because it was draw because he had a draw 
and every 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 match was like a draw because he he wouldn't put himself out there to to execute something other than uh, taking a chance or a risk, and he would he would wrestle and a great great wrestler, great athlete, but he was always just uh, uh, coming up with 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 average results until he turned it around. He turned it around. He was a spectacular wrestler because he identified the fact that he's not just out there not to lose. He's out there to win. You know, and that's what you got to do. No, It's a difference. I agree. I, I had a fighter, a middleweight once. It was a vicious. I've told this story before. I know, at least to you. He was vicious in the gym. I mean, I, we used to, this kid used to spar with heavyweights. He was a middleweight. He used to spar with heavyweights. I mean, we, you know, we used to have to tell him, you know, take it easy in the gym. I mean, he, he was a killer. And as soon yeah. as you put him in a real fight, he would do what his opponent did. So in other words, if his opponent hit him twice, he'd hit him back twice. If the opponent hit him once, he'd hit him back once. If the opponent hit him four times, he'd hit him back four times. And then he would lose these f close decisions or, or it ended up a draw. I never saw a fighter with so many draws. And he would always say to me, Bill, I got robbed. I won that fight. And finally, I was like, Keith, you know, you can't expect to win fights if you're only giving back what you're getting. You got to... Yeah. Step on the gas. Exactly what you're saying about your wrestling buddy. But uh, yeah. anyway, a couple more oh, emails. Just shadow boxing. Right, you might as well. Sometimes those shadows can kick ass. But uh, uh, anyway, I got uh, uh, another email. Uh, this one uh, about Canelo. He says, uh, uh, it's from my man Greg. He says, hey, Billy C, three things. One, everybody knows Canelo is a cheater with performance-enhancing drugs. How come nobody's talking about the illegal hand wraps? Triple G, uh, okay, um, number two, Triple G's trainer told the Nevada State Athletic Commission that Canelo uh, hands were being wrapped illegally and they wouldn't do anything about it. Uh, they did tape, gauze, tape, gauze. The rule is gauze, tape, gauze, tape. Uh, if they try that stuff this time, then Triple G should wrap his hands the same way. I bet it wasn't legal in Vegas when Canelo fought you-know-who. And then number three is, did he cheat on the scale too? You said he looked like a super middleweight. I think you're right. Now, with this email, Greg sent me a, a, a video uh, that was put out by uh, a third party. And uh, it showed uh, Triple G um, and, and Canelo getting on the, the, the scale. And it did seem that uh, they gave Canelo a, a real quick reading. In other words, in this particular video, uh, it was nine-point-something seconds that Triple G stood on that scale, you know, uh, posing, smiling, and they had the weight was okay. Um, and they balanced it perfectly before he got on the scale. When Canelo stepped on the scale, which always makes me laugh because Canelo was the second to get on the scale, even though he's bringing nothing to the fight except his name, um, number one, it didn't, and, and the video showed, again, this is a third-party video, it didn't show, it was an old-style scale, the triple beam type. Um, it didn't show, well, it's not really a triple beam, but you know what I mean. Um, it, uh, it didn't show it actually zeroed out. Um, it was still kind of moving when Canelo got on it. And then you see Canelo stood on that scale for, for almost six seconds. And then the team Canelo, the, 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 one of the uh, Canelo's guys, signaled to the commissioner, it's okay. And they started clapping, and he got off and started immediately drinking stuff. 
Um, so, you know, it did seem a little uh, questionable uh, in that fight. I mean, it was never brought up then, so it happened then. It's over, so we can't really now. But, yes, the video that I was sent did seem a little questionable. Um, as far as the, uh, you know, cheating with the performance-enhancing drugs, it honestly, as much as I like Canelo, because I do, um, it wouldn't surprise me. He seems like that kind of guy. I, I don't know. I don't know. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but he does seem like he's willing to do whatever. Uh, and then as far as the, the tape gauze tape instead of gauze tape gauze, um, you know, I, I know it sounds funny, Sal, when you say that, but it is true. When you put tape on the outside, that's much harder than gauze. I mean, so if they're putting tape, then gauze, then tape, rather than what the rule is, um, which is, uh, uh, you know, gauze, tape, gauze, um, you know, I, I could see them being it being an argument. What do you think? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I sure can. I mean, you put you put tape around your knuckles first. That's that's solidifying. You're you're, you're really. I, I think it's, it's, it's definitely, it would make a difference. I could feel it right now. It would make a difference. And you have the underlying um, fist with the tape over it coming through a couple layers of gauze. That would still have to be held in place with a little tape. But the bottom line is if you have the fundamental or foundation of the fist lined with tape first, forget about it. It's going to be a harder punch. It's going to be a the, uh, it's gonna. I, I know it's gonna make a difference. It's gonna make a difference. I, I, I definitely know it's gonna. Make well, well, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know what? And this... I didn't know that. You know, and what about this though? You're supposed to get your hands wrapped in front of the inspector. Well, the inspectors were there, and 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 that that was what that was what uh, Abel Sanchez was complaining about. Um, he said that he was questioning it, and they told him to shut up, otherwise they're gonna throw him out. And then they were saying that they, that the way that uh, Canelo's hands, the Nevada State Athletic Commission said that the way Canelo's hands were wrapped were 100% legal, and they've been doing that for over a decade. And, you know, what, what this particular email from my man Greg, you know, the funny thing is, is the order in which he's saying it makes more sense. And if the, the inspector didn't notice the order and just knew that, hey, they could put, you know, taped and gauze and tape or whatever, then, yeah, it would make a difference. But I also agree with Greg here. Then that's how Canelo, I mean, that's how Triple G should wrap his hands. They should, uh, they should. It's going to be like a hammer, man. Yeah, well, you know what? Triple G should wrap his hands the same exact way. Same um, way, and you know, I'll tell you what, that's that's unique. I, I think we should have rewrap, I mean, recount. I think that, I think that, they need to specify all of that, but uh, I, you know the truth of the matter is that uh, now uh, you know because Canelo tested positive, he's going to be under scrutiny for everything he does. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. I got a long email from Coach coming up, who's uh, going to vent a little bit. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there, Jeremy, man. Uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> 
<laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Uh, glad you could be with us. Don't forget, we're doing a big event uh, down in St. Simon's. Uh, it looks like it's going to be the week. Uh, well, we'll, we'll we're, we got the uh, we got a couple of dates we're picking from, but it's going to be a not one, not two, but three day event. You're going to love it. We're going to have a golf tournament. We're going to have a fishing tournament. We're going to have some dinner, meet and greets, all this stuff, culminating with a big fight night. Uh, listen, it's invitation only this time. You got to get the package. We're going to have hotel, dinner, all of that's included. If you're interested in being part of this extravaganza. Uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. Got another email here uh, that we're going to read, uh, get going here. I got some news. Uh, first and foremost, this one's from uh, my man, uh, Coach, who you can find in the chat room uh, right now. Now, I know there's multiple chat rooms. Uh, the one I normally uh, respond to and stuff uh, is uh, the one up on BillyCBoxing.com. However, I do want to give a shout-out to, to my man Dave Mo Wilcox, who happens to be in our simulcast on Facebook, which, incidentally, if you're watching or listening on Facebook, um, that is the, the cheesiest feed. Uh, you got to uh, come and check it out on the YouTube feed. And uh, we got some YouTube uh, chats going on. We're going to enhance that. We are actually committed now to make a bigger presence on YouTube. So you'll start to see us grow uh, on the uh, YouTube boxing community uh, real quickly uh, as we've solidified our, our place on uh, uh, several uh, television uh, networks. And we've been on radio uh, for a long time. But uh, nonetheless, this is from Coach. He says, hey, Billy C., after listening to you mention May Faye's so-called unbeaten record again yesterday uh, to get rid of my money May-induced headache. I just want to uh, make another point of how irrelevant his 50-0 tally really is. Forget for the moment that Jimmy Wilde uh, was 93-0-1, Chavez was 87-0, and and Willie Pep was 62-0 and uh, before they suffered their first losses. They didn't retire. They fought on. I would also have to say that in my arrogant opinion, the only real undefeated record in professional sports uh, is in the NFL in 1972 when the Miami Dolphins, uh, of course, went 14-0 and during the regular season, then went 3-0 and uh, in the playoffs uh, for a final season record of 17-0. and Keeping in mind, they played a schedule. Uh, one thing is for sure, none of their opponents were picked. The Dolphins' feet could be equated to boxing in that the regular season could simply be seen as a fighter's developing path to contender status and the playoffs, their title fights, similar to the very attractive formula used in the World Boxing Super Series tournament, uh, which uh, not over a career but the short haul forces the fighter to fight the best and earn his title shot. No ducking, no dodging. They are focused uh, I'm sorry, they are forced to act like, oh, yeah, fighters and fight for the chance to be a champion. They're forced to act like fighters. Uh, when comparing May with his 50-0 sleight of hand, P 
picking math and his selecting Berto for his record-tying number 49 and pro-debuting Conor McGregor for his so-called record-breaking 50 to the Dolphins' NFL would never, ever include the Dolphins' last 1972 preseason game, which is Berto, and the first 1973 preseason game, which was McGregor, to go 19-0. and uh, You know, I just want to stop for a sec because that is the most aggravating thing to me when people bring up Floyd. Uh, not to mention just Floyd the human being, the scourge of the earth in my opinion. But to suggest that this man even got to 50-0 and 0 by selecting a Berto at number 49 and a pro debut Conor McGregor at number 50 and is allowed to prance around <laughs> Like he does, saying that he's fifty and zero, and his fans supporting it, it, it just makes me sick. It, it, there's there's clearly an underlying issue here that is well beyond the scope of sports and a fifty and zero record. But I'll leave it at that. Anyway, he says while team sports and individual sports should be judged separately, humor me and consider the National Collegiate Athletic Association's Oklahoma Sooners. The Sooners held, hold the college football record for consecutive victories at 47. The streak beginning with a 1914 victory over the Texas Longhorns on nine, in 1953, going undefeated for over five seasons until losing 7 nothing to Notre Dame in 1957. During that streak, the Sooners won four bowl games and two national championships. Before everyone jumps down my throat about different teams and players and all sorts of stuff, uh, it is to compare boxing so-called road to a championship. I want everyone to consider back then under the old college rules, rules the best record of unbeaten teams didn't always go to the national championship. The participants were selected by an associated press poll, not always seeing the best versus the best in the championship game. Sounds a little bit like Mayweather's career picking uh, and choosing cautious Berto and McGregor's type fights. Uh, took years for the NCAA to get it right, uh, maybe boxing can get past its archaic formula and just make fighters fight, especially the best ever or so-called world champions uh, back to boxing. Add in the fact that Marciano went 49-0 and in just eight years. It took May, Picker, Faye over 20 years to get to 49-0. and 49-0 and is a heavyweight record. To make my point clear, let's use current-day boxing as an example. Unless a big change comes to Deontay, Bomb Squad, Wilder's soft opponent picking, limp resume, it'll just make him another forgotten Brian Nelson, who, by the way, as a heavyweight champion, went 49-0. and Pickers, fighters with soft resumes, and PED cheaters like uh, Canelo can and should be filed right above Barry Bonds and Lance Armstrong. They will just become a distracting, stained asterisk on the sport, eventually ending up where they truly belong, in the land of irrelevant and forgotten. I say in keeping with the true definition of competition, let's be fair to those who play by the rules. We must get away from everyone gets a trophy, or in this case, a title, and standardize the rules so we can move on and eventually be uh, able to compare our mano a mano sport to apples to apples. Once again, thanks for letting me vent. He's got another point here, but Sal, um, you know, I, he makes some valid points, 
and it is frustrating because coaches like you and I, uh, you know, uh, we oh, love the cool. sport. It's 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 it's, it's our sport. You know, we love the sport, um, and uh, we're historians from the sport. The the truth of the matter is, is that it's hard to justify the paths that people uh, take today and compare it to the game that was fought yesteryear. And and although that may be based on, uh, you know, physical attributes and, and the fact that, you know, we have better athletes today, um, it, it, we shouldn't forget these other, uh, you know, champions. The, the fact that these guys that he mentioned just alone, Chavez and uh, Jimmy Wilder, um, uh, Jimmy Wilder, I should say, um, you know, just to men- – and, and even uh, uh, when, when he mentioned um, Willie Pep – to get to the numbers that they got to without losing, but then continuing to fight on until they eventually lost, that speaks volumes to me. How people can forget, like the problem I think I, that I really have, Sal, is that most people that will throw that 50-0 and record in front of your face because of Fayweather, they don't even know about these other guys going 90-something and 0, 87-0, and 62-0. It's like they decredit, devalue that. That bothers me the most, I think. Well, I, I know it does. It bothers me as well. And, you know, what what's being thrown aside is the fact that these were special, special human beings that challenged themselves, that, that were never satisfied. They had to push on until they were issued their first first defeat or, or not. Uh, it's, it's just because they, it, it, boxing or other sports, when you're on that level, it's something else that you you cannot really identify or empathize with unless you 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 have a, had an opportunity to achieve some level of greatness in your life, which people do. It could be all forms, but that's what these guys ride on. It's the challenge. It's the it's the heart, the desire. This is what they live, eat, breathe, and this is their makeup. This is their character. This is what sets them apart. Not everybody could do something special. Because if they all could, everybody would be doing it. So don't let the naysayers or the ones that want to take uh, superstardom and, and turn into mediocrity uh, uh, allow that to happen. There are certain things that people could do a little better or a little more exceptional than others can do. And that's just the way the hands of, 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 of uh, uh, God dealt the cards to certain people. And... You know, it's not saying good, better, and different on, on some levels. Everybody's got a unique talent. Everybody's got a unique feature. Everybody's got a unique imprint that they can do, they can utilize, that they can maximize. And these are just certain athletes that have been able to maximize their God-given talent in a way that created superstardom status. So don't pull them down. Just recognize that these are fighters. These are exceptional athletes that challenge themselves because they believe in themselves and they look for greatness or for things to happen. You know, it's simple when you look at it this way. You know, and this is the simplest way to put it. I mean, really, there's no other way to put it. But look at it this way. A fighter 30 years ago plus, when you said I was the world champion, you know, you were the only guy in your weight division. Whether there were eight divisions, whether there were eight divisions or more, you were the only guy. You know, if I was a heavyweight champion, I was the only heavyweight champion. End of story. You know, I, I mean, that's the end of that. Today, you know, so, 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 and, and, I, you know, I, I, I should get some money uh, for, for Mike uh, Silver's uh, 
uh, book because I promote it all the time. You know, the rise, uh, the arc of, uh, what is it? The, ri- the arc of uh, boxing, the rise and fall of sweet science, I believe it's called. It's not a captivating read, all right? However, what he does in this book is he points out the reasons why the fighters of yesteryear were better. And statistically, he points it out. And the biggest um, stat that you can pull from, like, the 40s versus the, you know, the early 2000s is, is primarily where he focuses his point in this book, is the number of fighters that there were. So if you have, uh, for an example, a number that comes out in my, in, in, my, in my mind is when he did it in the 40s, it was something like 1,500 licensed professional boxers in New York State, in New York State. And in 2004, whenever the hell he, he, he did this, the comparison stat, there was something like 38 or 48, something like that, some ridiculously low number, all right? So when you factor in the f- simple fact that there were way more fighters fighting and you would have one champion, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that the quality of those fighters were better. And, oh, by the way, which I'm going to point out here in a few minutes, when you made it to number 10 contender status, that was a big deal. If you were number big 10, deal. if you were number 10 in the world at middleweight, you were one badass fighter. You know, now I, we got two guys that, that I'm going to talk about uh, in, in a little bit that are fighting for the WBC version of a world title um, that aren't, even, by the computer, aren't even ranked in the top 20. Neither one of them are ranked, and, and the computer is non biased. They rank by based on who fought who, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, for the fighter today to become a champion, it's a hell of a lot easier than it was yesterday. And to cherry pick on top of that just makes it worse. Uh, we could go on and on. I got some other stuff. I, I, let, let me just finish this last point from Coach. He says, uh, I know you're preparing for this snowstorm. <laughs> Uh, we're in it now. He says, but what's your opinion on the WBC following uh, the country's new protective criminal justice reform mode and the Lewis Neary over the weight limit cause? In my arrogant opinion, it's popular culture's new creed of no longer you broke the rule and it has consequences, but now it automatically asks what your excuse is. I say, uh, like Canelo, blame it on the cows. Oh, I guess I just gave the reason. Uh, to, <laughs> I just gave a reason for a new protect the cows group. Uh, he says uh, boxing needs standardized rules. It's what helped keeps the mano y mano concept we uh, old school boxing fans love. Um, it is true, and you know we've said this many times before, Sal. We this just society in general today. We're not held accountable for our actions anymore. It's like the old saying, you're innocent until proven guilty. Now I can accuse you of robbing me, and now you have to prove to everyone that you didn't. Everyone's going to believe me until you prove otherwise when it should have been the other way around. We've become a society of no one is held accountable for their actions. It sucks, and it's no different in sports. No, it's true. There's been a change, and... uh... It didn't happen overnight, but why it's so unnoticed is because it happened to trickle a bit over time, and it gave us, you know, fast forward to where we are today in society. Yep, yep. But uh, speaking of the uh, over the weight uh, issue that uh, Coach just referred to, oh yeah, there, there was a proposal 
that was put out, uh, you know, after the Lewis Neary uh, when he failed to make his way. And, and this was put out that they're looking to get, um, you know, to, to have it tweaked and stuff, but they want all of the four major sanctioning bodies to support it. Uh, this proposal uh, included these five uh, topics, issues. One, have a special summit meeting among all, all world governing organizations to unify, standardize the overweight punishment rule. Two, suspend the overweight boxer in a world title bout for one year to deprive him of an opportunity to professionally fight even in a non-title uh, fight in any country. Three, forbid him from fighting in a quest of a world championship of any world organization for a year. Four, eliminate him in any world rankings for a year. And five, should he again commit an overweight incident, the punishment should be double as far as the above written uh, for him to be suspended for a couple of years. Uh, this was a, a proposal. Um, the stringence, the strict rule here, or the, the, the tone I'm getting here, um, should be applied to performance-enhancing drug use. I, I say strike one and you're out. As far as this overweight punishment rule, I'm all for it. But you know what, Sal? A lot of this could be eliminated if they had same-day weigh-ins. Don't you agree? Yes, I do. And that's why, you know, by boxing trying to improve or evolve, they've actually set back it's on certain levels. They've set it back. And I believe the same day weigh-ins, which were originated in the sport of boxing, should take place and should still be instituted to have uh, have it done immediately. I, I'm telling you, it, it, things have changed on so many levels with the sport, on a sport that didn't need all that much change because it, 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 it can only evolve to a certain certain degree. And, you know, looking out for the, for the best interest of the fighters and and all those that may be involved in the sense that uh, that uh, put their lives on the line, which are fighters, thank you very much. You know, let, let's let's look at it differently. You know, we had it where you had the same day weigh-ins. It was in the morning, the day of the fight. And what you could do to rehydrate or do something else that day, hey, guess what? You roll the dice, you do what you got to do, and you don't have to worry about it. Now they, they you, can, you can fast. I mean, we used to do that. 36 hours drying out or 24 hours before the weigh-ins dry out. You just don't drink or consume any liquids and you drop some weight. And then, you know, you you step off the scale, you rehydrate yourself. But the bottom line is, yeah, what, were we 100%? You know, it's very seldom was a fighter a 100% anytime they step in a ring. They're as close as they can get to 100%. But if they were 100%, 100% you know, you, you have so many things going on in a fighter through a six to eight week training regimen, you know, from from a, a torn muscle to hurt bones in your hand to, to doing this to maybe a cut that that, that, that reopen or, or something else. Um, so to say one has to be 100 percent is is a falsehood because you do the best you can when we get in there. Well, same thing with weigh-ins and boxing. You know what? The day before weigh-in. When that first came out, I'll tell you, I, I, I can't believe it, how much of a difference in, this, in the namesake of being better for the fighters. And it wasn't. You could have a fighter get down to a weight the day before a fight, and he could lose 15, 20 pounds, just specifying he's getting in there for that weight class. And then, boom, 
24 hours later when he steps in the ring, he's a 15, 20 pound giant over the weight that he's supposed to be fighting. No. I don't like it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, listen, there'll be fighters, if we have same-day weigh-ins, there'll be fighters that won't make weight, uh, you know, granted. But the the problem that we have today is some people can can dry out better than others, and that's yes, what started it all. They, they just feel they have the edge. But uh, what we have is, you know, when I sit back and I'm watching guys fight, and the Charlo brothers come into mind because they are – they're monsters in the ring. They they look like they're four weight classes above what they weighed in at, you know. And and I, we don't have a true representation of 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 you know weight classes anymore. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we created that by allowing all the different weight classes. You know, you didn't have those um, discrepancies in weight when there were only eight because there was a bigger gap in the weight class. Hey, I just want to say one thing real quick. You know, I was, I'm, I'm trying to monitor all these different chat rooms, and we are, like I said, we're trying to get a bigger presence in the YouTube boxing community, something that I never really cared about, but uh, now all of a sudden it, it's a personal goal of mine. But uh, I, I just saw in the chat room that uh, my man, uh, uh, one, of, one of the guys in the chat room, David, uh, said he was he was getting something to eat at. Uh, I'm not going to plug him, but a fast food drive through, and he's listening to our show uh, on his Bluetooth. So he's got the stream on his Bluetooth, and he get a comment from from the guy at the the window. Uh, but my point isn't to promote the place or the or even the comment because the comment made me just you know throw up in my mouth. But uh, but the truth of the matter is is I love this the the fact that the technology. Uh, of today is giving you guys, the viewers and listeners, an opportunity to watch or listen to the show on your way to work, whatever, on your handheld. I, I mean, it's great, don't you think, Sal? Oh, come on, yeah, it is. I, I mean, I pull up our show at night in a restaurant just to show what we did that morning, <laughs> you know, because people are curious about it. And by the way, I have more and more people coming up to me out of the out of blue, I, you know, just introducing themselves to me, saying, "Hey, I listen to your show every Sunday." I think we're on either the eight or nine o'clock hour now, or and, and they start off their day and they love it. I had I had countless people, I'll tell you, telling me all the time that they're listening and they're becoming big fans of the show and they don't know anything about boxing, but they're interested in hearing us because for some reason we're entertaining. Hey, listen, I want to give a shout out to my man Steve Lott. Uh, Steve Lott is a big part uh, of uh, our boxing revisited uh, uh, series, Sal. Because if it wasn't for Steve. We wouldn't have uh, the permission to rebroadcast some of those great fights that uh, we're uh, trying to uh, to get out there. That the one that still sticks in my mind. I was talking to, about a, a poll question uh, yesterday. Was the uh, it, to me it was the most brutal fight I ever watched, and that was Gene Fulmer against Benny Kid Perret. The image of that fight still sticks in my mind. The fact uh, that we were right now. Uh, well, right well, now. The, the the thing the thing was, and and that's all because of my man Steve Lott. Um, but uh, but the thing is, Sal, the best part of that fight uh, was watching you because you had never watched a fight. And I got to be honest, I had only seen the end of that fight when we when we did it. Uh, so I, I had never watched all 10 rounds of it. You had never watched any of it. And the shock factor was so real when we broadcast that or, or when we filmed it anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's all, uh, thanks to my man, uh, Steve Lott. So, uh, that Thank was, uh, you, uh, big stuff. Uh, speaking of big stuff, let's talk a little about heavyweights real quick. Uh, Eddie Hearn, 
from uh, uh, Matchroom Sport uh, said that uh, uh, they were talking to him about Tyson Fury. Now, we hear about Tyson Fury all the time saying he wants to fight Anthony Joshua, he wants to fight Deontay Wilder, said he would give uh, Deontay Wilder good hiding, which, uh, you know, I love the comments from, from England. I, you know, I still say, it. I, you know, this show is in its 15th year already, Sal, uh, and, you know, all along we've had a big following in the U.K., and I wish that somehow, some way, shape, or form, um, we would be able to do our show for one week in England because I would love it. I love. I would love to learn all of the the sayings uh, that the uh, uh, the Brits uh, say. You know, I was gutted, meaning you know I was uh, basically uh, you know I was gutted. I, I was disappointed. I was I was you know whatever. But uh, you know I'm going to give him a good hiding. You know I'm going to beat his butt. But Eddie Hearn, uh, referring to Tyson Fury, said there's been a lot of rumors that. Uh, he's talking about Tyson Fury, will join up with us. It's not true. As far as I know, uh, uh, you know, he says, it's not true as far as I know. Uh, he says, we're not close to any kind of an agreement. We've had some conversation, uh, but I think he's talking to many other promoters right now. But if he does come with us, there's a very strong straight road to a lot of big fights for him. Of course, Anthony Joshua. Then we have Dylan Ian White, Tony Bellew. Ultimately, the grand prize uh, is Joshua because of how huge of a fight that is. Um, you know, I still feel strongly about Tyson Fury needing to fight some other fights before he gets a fast track uh, to, uh, uh, to Anthony Joshua. But should Tyson Fury sign with uh, Eddie Hearn and his promotional company, Right out of the gate, a fight with Tony Bello or even Dillian White would be uh, worthwhile to see, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I, I see that, and that would be a good fight, uh, those two. But, uh, yes, I do have a hard time with seeing him coming out of retirement just to fight an Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder. That I don't think should happen. No, I want to see him fight, as you suggested, somebody formidable that uh, that can give him a good test, and then he can have an opportunity to uh, to beat Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I, I just... Or to do a good showing. Well, that's the name of the game, if he could do it, you know. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got some more heavyweight news. Uh, I got some uh, discussion about a big fight this weekend. And I also got a, a sign of, of good things happening in the sport of boxing. I was just talking about it uh, in another chat room. I'm a multitasking guy, as you can see. You are. But I was talking about it in another chat room with my main, da my man, Dave Wilcox. Uh, but uh, I'll be telling you why the stats are showing that the uh, popularity of boxing is on the rise. I'll get to all of that uh, in about uh, two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at Billy C. 
Boxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And I tell you, I, I, it's it's hard, Sal. It's hard with all these chat rooms, man. I'm sitting there, Mike. I got, nice, I got. Bill. I, I, I think you should tie them all together. As as it. as what Ringo Starr said, and it was Ringo Starr, by the way, which I never knew. But uh, as he said in that song, "Helter Skelter," I got blisters on my fingers. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I always thought that was John Lennon, but. Uh, I learned from the Beatles channel that uh, that was Ringo Starr that said that. Uh, that yeah, famous line at the job. end. At the end of Helter Skelter, yeah, in, the, in the real version, you hear uh, somebody at that point say, I got blisters on my fingers. And uh, for years, for my whole life, I, I thought it was uh, John Lennon, you know, uh, hitting wow. the guitar. Um, or even Paul McCartney. But it turns out that it's Ringo Starr. But anyway... Um, some more heavyweight uh, news. Lucas Brown. Lucas Brown, he was the former regular WBA. <laughs> Man, this, is, this, follow, this follows like what we were saying before. Uh, I mean, how bad has it come? You know, we're saying that boxing used to have one world one. champion for every day. Now, 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 in a heavyweight division alone, you have to distinguish. Is he the super champion? Is he a regular champion? Is he interim champion? Is he a champion of Murtai? Is he a champion in recess? Uh, either way, I got five champions in one weight, one one weight division in one sanctioning body. So multiply that by four, you could potentially have twenty guys walking around champion. saying they're the world heavyweight, heavyweight champion. champion. Oh wow. my god! And and then you have then you have four different top ten guys too, you know. So you could have you know friggin' four or five guys walking around saying that they're number ten, you know. So uh, it's a joke. But anyway. Uh, Lucas Brown, who was the former regular WBA champion who tested positive for performance enhancing drugs, was subsequently stripped of his title, and he was out of boxing for a little bit, uh, paid his dues, so to speak, uh, for the comeback fight. Now he's got a huge fight coming up uh, at the end of this month against Dillian White, uh, which is going to be a big fight for both these guys. Lucas Brown is very confident. I haven't heard much from Camp White uh, but I will say this, Lucas Brown looks like he's in great shape. Um, I, I've seen some footage, I've seen some stills, and he's been getting some great sparring. Uh, he uh, recently uh, ended uh, a sparring session with uh, Derek Chisora. Now, Derek Chisora is kind of just a tough guy, um, and, and he also, I'm trying to think, he, he also uh, sparred Tyson Fury for a while as well. Um, but, uh, but the one thing I, I look at, and, and apparently he's going to be... Uh, uh, sparring Derek Chisora again. The one thing that I do see in Derek Chisora is a lot of similarities with him and Dillian White. I think Dillian White has more technical skill than Derek Chisora, but in terms of you know trying to get a body in there that is going to move and, and be similar. Now Derek Chisora is a little on the wild side, but uh, but this is going to be uh, you know at first I wasn't really that excited about this fight, but to tell you the truth, Sal. This is an intrig intriguing fight in the heavyweight division. It's not Deontay Wilder against AJ, but it's creating the interest for that next big fight I'm always talking about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I agree with you. It's going to be an interesting uh, contest. I definitely look forward to it. And I tell you, Lucas Brown, uh, like I said, he's, he's looking good. So uh, we'll see what uh, he's physically looking good. I, I don't know how he looks inside the ring but uh we will certainly see um you know uh 
boxing, earlier we were reading an email and basically it had uh, my man Coach was venting about uh, the, the trials and tribulations. I'm not talking about the legal trials, but the trials and tribulations of uh, one guy named uh, uh, Floyd Fayweather. And, you know, it's no secret that I was never a fan of this guy. And, and the main reason uh, is, you know, his antics outside the ring, which I, I know is not fair, uh, but I never was a, a fan of his style. I, I can't stand runners, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but um, when it, it seems that you, if you created a timeline or a chart or a graph, and you put Floyd Mayweather's name in there. And, you know, you put him in there with the status of boxing. You will find a pretty defined downward spiral of the popularity of the sport. I mean, it's there. Do it. And as soon as Floyd leaves the sport, and you will see jumps in that timeline, in that graph that you create. And those will represent the times that Floyd retired and left us. And then now he's so-called retired. And we are clearly in a very good place in the sport of boxing. And not only is it opinionated, but the ratings on TV are backing these uh, claims, Sal. The ratings on uh, Saturday uh, in a super featherweight. Now, this is super featherweight, junior lightweight match between Annie Vences and Eric DeLeon, which was on ESPN. Now, this isn't even a, a heavyweight fight, or let's be honest, these aren't two huge names um, in, uh, uh, in, in, in the sport. They already have the biggest rating in, in uh, boxing of 2018 already. Uh, they averaged a 0.8 metered market rating, which is huge uh, for boxing. Um, the only one that uh, is is uh, ahead of it right now is Wilder Ortiz. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It even did better than Oscar Valdez and Scott Quigg did. Uh, they only measured a .7. So I think that not only are we enjoying this resurgence of entertaining boxing, so are the rest of the people. It, it's It's proven that if these guys engage... The fans will follow. What's your thoughts on this, Sal? Well, you know, I concur with you on this. And, you know, styles make fights, but styles of fighting can make fans. And what we like to see is, is a fight. We, we, we definitely see the contrast in styles with, uh, with uh, a boxer who, who would want to avoid uh, running, I mean, want to avoid uh, po uh, punches. And, and I'm not saying that that's a negative thing. I mean, you know, you've got to slip punches, you've got to block punches, but you've got to stay in the pocket to deliver your own punch. And that's the biggest thing. When we see exchanges in the ring, it's, it's what brings the fans out. That's, what's, that's the test of the metal, the courage, the conditioning, the heart, the desire. See, fight fans, what they often do is they can identify with a fighter. And they become fans because they, they live vicariously a little bit through that fighter. And... They can sense, you know, that, well, that's their part. That's their fighter. They can do that. And, and it just, I'm not, I'm not saying it verbatim, but I am saying there is some, some validity to, to that. They identify something that they like about a, a fighter and, and a style 
and they say, well, you know what, that, that's, that's what I like. That's, that's what I could do. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, you know, I mean, listen, everybody is always saying to me, specifically young fans, oh, you know, MMA, UFC, whatever, um, it's so much more exciting, it's this and that. Well, you know, I look at it a couple of ways. One is the attention span of, of, a, uh, of a young adult today is way less than, than uh, it was years ago. And I used to contribute the fact that, the you know, uh, MMA-type fights are, are three rounds versus uh, as much as 12. But, but you know, when you think about it, they're not loving the leg lock two guys on the canvas waiting for a submission hold. They're loving the brutality end of it. Well, yeah, and they are. If boxing, it. Yeah, if boxing, well, if boxing uh, ended uh, th- that uh, with the Mayweather era, it certainly showed. Now, Mayweather doesn't give a crap because, you know, and this is the other part that bothers me, and this is the main reason why I just don't understand why his loyal fans... Let him do it. The guys that he screws the most, aside from beat up women and pimply faced security guards, the people that Floyd Mayweather had screwed the most throughout his history of boxing was his most loyal fans. The same idiots that are wearing the TMT hats all over the place. He's selling those hats for 25 bucks a pop, all of that stuff. I mean, these are the, these kids just don't get it that they're the ones that are fueling his car collection and his planes and his gambling uh you know it's just it's it's joke it's a joke and anybody that tries to tell me how good uh he is and oh well you can't hit him well you know uh he can't hit his opponent either when he's 12 feet away but uh anyway um interesting uh comment today sal uh it was in uh, in the news don king uh, who's uh, definitely on in, in years, um, is saying that uh, his guy, Amir Aman, who fights this week uh, against uh, uh, Ramirez, um, Jose Ramirez, I'm sorry, uh, for uh, the vacant WBC uh, junior uh, uh, welterweight title, another one of the titles that Terrence Crawford had vacated, said that uh, not only is Amir Aman going to take out Ramirez, he's also going to take out uh, Bob Arum. Uh, he says, uh, Amir Aman is coming to Madison Square Garden, the mecca of boxing in New York City, to take down not only Jose Ramirez, but Bob Arum too. I can hardly wait for Saturday night. Start the clock, tick-tock, tick-tock, T-minus, 120 hours uh, till Ramirez Aman enter the ring Saturday night. Um, you know... I look at this as typical Don King uh, rhetoric, and I look at the two fighters, Amir Aman, 21-1 with 18 knockouts, uh, going up against Jose Ramirez, and it's for this vacant title. Uh, Let me tell you, I've always liked Amir Aman. He's a power puncher. He's uh, 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 ranked at number 63. This is the joke part. He's ranked at number 63 by the computer at welterweight. And the WBC has him ranked number one in the junior uh, welterweight division. The, the WBC has him ranked at number one. He's ranked at number sixty-three by the computer. You know, I mean, come on, what what, what did it what did it take to get him ranked number one? Uh, uh, Jose Ramirez is ranked number twenty-three by the computer in the proper division, and the WBC has him at ranked at number three. Uh, we'll be breaking these fights down um, later in the week. Uh, but uh, the one thing I am going to say, you know, 
uh, Amir Aman busted out onto the scene and was knocking out some some big uh, names uh, until he stepped in the ring with Adrian uh, Granados, in which he was stopped in the eighth round of a 10-round fight. Now, since then, he's fought not one, not two, but three total slugs to get him ranked at number one uh, in the junior welterweight division. If I'm Don King, I'd be pretty quiet uh, because uh, uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, unlike uh, Amir Aman, uh, he's fought some uh, pretty talented fighters uh, in his last half a dozen fights. So uh, uh, we'll all see. They're very similar in height, age, everything. Uh, one other um, thing I want to point out, Stacy McKinley uh, is the uh, trainer of Amir Aman. And uh, one of the inside jokes about Stacy McKinley, Sal, is that whoever gets him uh, as a trainer never lasts long. This is a guy that uh, does not have a, uh, a proven record. Uh, we'll be breaking those fights down. But uh, what's your thoughts on Don King trying to uh, get himself back in the mix uh, at uh, his ripe old age since he's been kind of not in the mix for quite some time? Well, Don, Don is a promoter. I love Don. And, you know, Don will do what he has to do to, to pump up a fighter and, and promote him. And that's that's what I love about the grassroots promoters that Don was a part of. And uh, so Don is doing what he what he wants to do, what he has to do, what he can do to get names out there to promote. And that's he you can't down him for that. And I, I appreciate hearing from him on that level, that he's back in the mix. And I, I'd love to see him uh continue to, to to be back on top because guess what hey maybe there's another reason why that boxing has had a back seat or or has had a drought if you will because you used to have the don kings uh of, of the of the boxing game that were promoters of the sport of boxing and that's what's so significant and so ideal and so lost today so don i welcome don back on any level because you know what the game was always good when Don King put his fingers on it. I, listen, no. In my opinion, no, no. My I, opinion. Listen, I, I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you because no. I, I've always said that Don King gets a bad rap, um, you know. I, but uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is his days are over. I, I mean, that's the sad truth. He doesn't have any fighters. He doesn't promote anything anymore. He's uh, won a couple of purse bids over the last uh, several years that were stripped from him because he couldn't come up with the money. So, um, you know, it's sad. You know, the, the, the thing is, what's happening to Don King, and nobody nobody's more supportive of Don King than me, but what's happening to Don King is very similar to what has, what has happened to many of the fighters that he uh, promoted. Um, you know, he's uh, going through this slow, uh, suffering demise, if you will. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, he, in my opinion, he's the greatest boxing promoter of all time. Doesn't mean he's my a great guy, too. but I think he's the greatest. He made you feel that if you missed a fight, he made fights, he made you feel that the, the fight was so important that if you missed it, you were you were missing out on on the invention of the shoe or something like that, and and you know it, it was amazing, really, right? Don't you think? It it was not only amazing. Let me tell you, you know how many times that was I told after the fact, you know, Sal Don King wanted to promote you, he would have got your title fight, and and you know what? I I regret not having that opportunity. I did have the opportunity. 
I chose not to do that path. And I and I I could kick myself in the head because it would have been a different path. The bottom line is, I first met Don King. I just won the Golden Gloves, and uh, Murray Goodman, who was Don King's right hand guy, with Bob Goodman. They were father and son. They worked with Don King and for Don King, and they were my next door neighbor in my little town of Rivervale. And Murray Goodman had a golf outing uh, with Don King as uh, the celebrity there, and that was my first opportunity. Murray connected us together uh as i said i just won the golden gloves uh and uh i wanted to turn pro uh eventually after the 80 olympics and things like that so don king took an honest interest in me and he invited he said who's your favorite fighter i said roberto duran that's who i emulate i love roberto duran he's my favorite fighter of all time and don king at that very moment said well sal i'm gonna make your dreams come true Next week, I'm having a press conference at the Philadelphia Spectrum with uh, Roberto Duran and Adolfo Virouette. I'm promoting that fight. I want you to come down as my guest and, and shake hands and spar with Roberto Duran. And sure enough, I mean, he made it all happen, and I did. Don King was always good to me. He's a promoter. And what Don King has a special gift. He would make people that he was introduced to feel special. And, you know, that's, that's a special gift that he... He transcended and has done through the ages. And uh, he's a promoter, a grassroots promoter. And uh, like I said, I, I love Don King. And I, I hope uh, I get to see him one day uh, in the future. He's, he's, he's really just a great guy. And, you know, he, he was implemental also with, uh, with a lot of things that boxing went through through the years. You know, everybody blames him. You know, oh, uh, they rip off. See, see the, the thing about Don, and, and when I get into conversations about Don King, I always now let's be real. Don King isn't an angel. He's definitely has screwed fighters in the past. I mean, you know, he was in jail. He Mansley did time for manslaughter for God's sakes. You know, the numbers runner uh, in Cleveland for years. But but here here's the truth. When Don King, the reason why so many fighters said that Don King screwed him is because it it, it kind of went like this. Don King would go and say to a fighter, hey, I'll give you X amount of money uh, to fight so-and-so. And the fighter would say, no, I want Y amount of money. And Don King would say, okay, I'll tell you what. Here's Z amount of money, cash, in a bag. Here you go. And then the fighter agrees to it. And he's happy. He walks out because he got more than, than Don King originally offered. He's got a bag of cash. He, uh, you know, got more than than uh, Don King offered. He got a little less than what he wanted, but he got more, and he's holding a bag of cash, a down payment, whatever. Then the next day, or the next month, or the next week, he finds out that Don King made ten times as much during the promotion, and now he says Don King ripped him off. It's the same as when a, a, an NFL player signs a five-year deal with a team for for a million for ten million dollars. And two years into the contract, the guy playing next to him signs a, a five-year deal for $15 million. Now that original guy is mad because the guy playing next to him is making more, and he wants to redo his contract. The issue here, Sal, is the time to negotiate is before you sign the contract. Once you sign the contract, end the story. It's irrelevant who made what. You signed the contract. You were happy at that time. But because you heard that somebody else made more money than you, now you feel pissed. That's 90% of what happened to Don King. 
fighters got pissed that they found out of how much money Don King made when they were doing all the training and taking the risk, etc., <laughs> you know etc. But the time to negotiate is before you That's sign right. the contract. It's, it's, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I say this. It's ludicrous because the bottom line is, hey, you can't down a, 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 a promoter like Don King for making money. And you know what? You've gotten the most money and you made more money than you ever would have to begin with. So, you know, it, it's like it's like everything else again. You know what? Also, you have fighters, and I, I'm sure this happened to Don, you know, that would sign a fight for maybe $10 million. And maybe, they, maybe uh, they'd go to Don, hey, Don, I need a front. Let me have a million or let me have two million. I got to go to Vegas before I start my camp. And then they go to Vegas, and then they go to, to uh, 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 training camp. And they gotta pay for sparring partners, they gotta pay for housing, they gotta pay for food, they gotta pay for all this, they gotta pay for travel. And then they get out and they, they fight, and the purse is, is, is paid, and they gotta have uh, expenses paid, 10% off to the top to the trainer, 33 and a third to the manager, and they're paying taxes. So when they wind up with two or three million dollars, because, oh, by the way, they borrowed two to begin with, and they say, well, I was ripped off, or, or Don King. Give me a break. I mean, do the math, guys. You never, you would never have that opportunity to have made that money. And I, I would have rather have signed with Don King and have the opportunity to make some money to, to get the title shot and to do this and, and and be grateful that the guy led me to the water and it's up to me to drink and 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 decide for myself what's going on after the fact. So you know, I I don't believe any anything with that. And and none of us have a, have a, a stellar uh, uh, satin free. Uh, 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 history of path where we're, we're angels. You know, we, we, we do the best we can. We, we try to figure things out. We take the information. We, we dissect it. We, in, we, we educate ourselves with it. And we make decisions. And sometimes they're not the best decisions, but we make decisions and we live and learn from uh, applying what we learn to make a, a better decision in the future. So, you know what? When I hear all this stuff that Don King ripped me off, Don King did it. Get 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 a break. You know what? Look at the reality and look at the lesson and and, and do the math. I agree. Um, got an update on the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, remember, George Groves had to, uh, uh, or was requested to go undergo some uh, shoulder surgery, and was uh, requesting that the World Boxing Super Series uh, Super Middleweight Tournament be pushed back so he could have the surgery done and still fight. And um, apparently uh, there's been some uh, different reports on the subject. Well, the World Boxing Super Series uh, owner uh, has issued a official statement. Uh, and uh, it says, contrary to the media reports, the World Boxing Super Series um, is said that the decisions related to the tournament are exclusively taken at a top management uh, or company board level. No advisory panel or external entities support uh, in uh, Cosmosa uh, <clears throat> uh, AG, which is the, comp the corporate name, uh, in a respect to any business and sporting decision. They are now employing two independent uh, orthopedic specialists to give medical opinions on George Grove's condition. The official decision on the status of the super middleweight final will be announced soon. You know, I think their hands are tied here, Sal, because I can't see them taking a substitute right now for the final when we kind of got the fight that everybody wants. I, 
I think they have no choice but to let uh, uh, Groves get, you know, repaired. What they're trying to do right now is determine whether he needs to be, uh, you know, go under the knife or not. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that this uh, final is going to be postponed, don't you think? Yeah, I think so, Bill. And, uh, you know, it's got to be the fighters that earn their way there have to uh, be the ones that go in the ring. And if it's postponed due to an injury or a repair, you know what? It's a shame and it happens. But, uh, you know, those are the two best that are in a position for the finals. And, and they have to honor that because they both worked hard to get there. And uh, I think it would be unfair to have an alternate, an alternate and everything else just slip in there uh, without having to do with the other fighters have done right right well i mean what do you think um should be done i mean I, there's no other solution do you think they should have a sub no i i really don't that's just that's just it i mean uh it, it, it's hard to deny a, a fact that you know if a fighter works his way up there and that's the trouble with tournaments that's why that's the, that's that's the only thing you know you've got to stay healthy for each upcoming fight and and um it's a along the way you're gonna get cut you're gonna have this you're gonna have an injury you're gonna have something hopefully it's not that threatening to your career or your future but it happens it's 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 now what do you do do you do you postpone it do you have an asterisk do you do you do you put a sub there and then when the guy feels better a year or two for now you got to fight him again well what happens to the guy that you know we don't even know if the fighter's gonna be around that much longer or what happens in his career a fight can end a career one fight could end someone's career in an instant, so it's hard to say. No, you know the the, the point there is there's no perfect answers. Never perfect answers. Well, the, my, my point here about the World Boxing Super Series is that it's been so successful. Yeah. Uh, why would you take? Why would you take? I, I get it that the rules are the rules, and that you have an injury here. But why would you take uh, a fight that kind of has? You know, whittled down to the two guys that we want to see Groves and Callum Smith fight. Yeah. And you know, why would you take and say, "Well, you know, we have our date. Our final is on this date, and we have an injury, so therefore, you know, so and so is going to have to uh, step in." You know, there's been talk. Well, maybe they should give it to Chris Eubank Jr. He was the next in line. Blah blah blah. You know, no. You know, they had a plan in place. They do have substitutes. But that's not fair to to yeah. to not. It's not only is it not fair to Groves, it's not fair to us, the fans. Yeah. You know, here we are. We're watching this tournament. It's been great. Why why ruin it now? Well, that's just it. I don't know how severe the injury is or how much time it's going to postpone a fight. But uh, no, that's what the fans want. That's what the fans and that's what the fighters earn. By the way. They deserve uh, the opportunity to be in the finals or to, to be on top. So you know what I, I I think they should relook at this uh, this date and uh, maybe uh, postpone it to a time where both these fighters are healthy enough to get in the ring together and then decide. That's it. I agree with you. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we got uh, some uh, closing thoughts and uh, well, just uh, just hang out. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. 
consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And, uh, you know, you know, Sal, uh, the biggest thing that aggravates me, eh, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. But uh, anyway, we got some uh, we got some uh, updates on uh, uh, WBO welterweight champion Jeff Horn. Um, apparently, uh, you know, I thought that this fight between he and Terrence Crawford was was all set in stone. Apparently, the contracts uh, are just been signed, uh, at least on according to uh, Jeff Horn's side, on his right. side. This fight's scheduled for, you know, a, 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 about one month from today. It's April 14th. Today's the 13th of March, you know, and they're talking about, oh, I'm happy this fight is done. Uh, we have copies of the uh, contract right now. Uh, you know, th- there's no more excuses. Uh, we're going to beat Terrence Crawford, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they've been talking about this fight for weeks, and you're telling me now that it re- just was officially signed? How ridiculous is that? That is ridiculous. That's crazy. I, You know, I thought that was signed, sealed, and we're just waiting for them to deliver. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. I thought it was a, a done deal. but uh, Well, it is now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, uh, don't forget uh, tomorrow, on tomorrow's show, Boxing Hall of Famer, uh, and uh, New Jersey boxing commissioner and a really close friend of mine, uh, Larry Hazard, will be joining us. I'll be getting his thoughts on the Mikey Garcia fight and some other uh, happenings. And, and I'm interested to see how he feel, felt about the uh, Valdez-Scott uh, Quigg fight, uh, the issues that we're talking about with the PEDs and, uh, and the, the potential uh, uh, ramifications from being caught, as well as the overweight limits. I mean, these are all right up Larry's alley. And by the way, our blast from the past, you know, we've been getting blasts from the past requests from you guys, uh, and we, we honor them. And the last couple of times, we've been getting some uh, crazy requests, a couple of, uh, of venues we had. Uh, well, tomorrow's uh, blast from the past is not on a fighter. It's not on a venue. It's on a promoter, Bob Arum. As per request, we gotta, we're going to be doing our blast from the past on Bob Arum uh, and Top Rank. Uh, and then guess who's guess who's on tap after that? Guess who guess who they want us to talk about after Bob Arum, Sal? Don King. You got it. You hey, got it. I was gonna say Jack Dempsey, but I blew <laughs> that opportunity last week. Yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, Don <laughs> King. So interesting stuff. We love it. But uh, hey, listen. On this day in boxing history, March thirteenth in two thousand and four, Winky Wright. Wins a 12-round decision over Sugar Shane Mosley uh, to win the world uh, and the WBC and WBA uh, titles uh, in the uh, junior middleweight division. And by the way, Winky Wright had held on to, uh, he had had the IBF uh, junior middleweight title uh, going into that fight. So he picked up the world, which is known now as the ring, and the uh, WBC and WBA. One thing I just want to mention real quick about this fight sugar shane mosley you know same time when he fought floyd mayweather sugar shane mosley if you really want to see sugar shane mosley when i thought that he was one of the best fighters pound for pound was when he was a lightweight you know and, and even even when he he moved up uh, to junior welterweight i mean those two weight classes this guy seemed unbeatable 
when he started to age and started moving up, that's when you started seeing uh, some fights uh, uh, with him that weren't so so great. But, uh, you know, Sugar Shane, I loved him as a lightweight. I mean, I, I couldn't wait to watch Sugar Shane Mosley fight, Sal. I mean, I love this kid. I, is, you know, and, and then when things started going down and he stayed uh, in the sport, I was hoping that he would just walk away. And obviously he got a couple of more fights under his belt. But nonetheless, uh, at lightweight, one of the best. Anyway, on this day, March 13th in 1998, Roberto Garcia. You see him now in the corner of Mikey Garcia. He wins a 12-round decision over Harold Warren uh, to win the vacant IBF Junior Lightweight title. It took place in Miami. On this day in 1999, Leo Gamez knocks out Hugo Soto in the third round to win the WBA World Flyweight title. It took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. On this day in 1993, another this was another one of those small fighters that were really, really good that uh, was popular, too, because of his action-packed style. Michael Carberhar, uh on this day in 1993, knocks out Chiquita Gonzalez uh, to win the WBC and retain his WBA World Junior Flyweight titles that took place in Vegas. Uh, on this day in 1961, Floyd Patterson knocks out Ingemar Johansson in the sixth round to retain his World Heavyweight title that took place in Miami Beach, Florida. And on this day... March 13th in 1952, the best ever, the best fighter of all time, in my opinion, and in most others, Sugar Ray Robinson wins a 15-round decision over Bobo Olsen to retain his world middleweight title, and that took place in San Francisco, California, on this day in 1952. Hey, man, that concludes our show for today. But tell me this. Well, I'll tell you this, and then you tell me that. But then we'll both say this. Make sure you, I don't know, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na